the Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Spiritual Brew Pub podcast. Today, we're going to talk about deconstructing theologies and religious ideas that are harmful and even dangerous to believe in and act on. The goal of this is not to tear those theologies down uh, or to destroy faith, but to get them identified and exposed so that people can reconstruct a more healthy and more historically grounded Christian faith. And today we have a great guest to help us do that. Chris Kratzer is an author and unconventional or former unconventional pastor who has written two really good books on these topics, Leatherbound Terrorism and Stupid Shit, Heard in Church, and The Truth That Will Wipe You Clean. <laughs> we love the title, of course. So, Chris, welcome to our podcast. Hey, great to be here. Thanks so All much. All right. So you're based in North Carolina, right? Yes, um, yes sir. Okay, so you're still in the Bible Belt, but uh, you've got a different way of thinking about the, the Bible and such things than uh, you did in your Southern Baptist uh, uh, years, I assume. Um, yes, yep, quite a bit has changed. So we're gonna we're gonna delve into that in a, in a moment. Uh, our listeners know that I like to tee up our guests and give some context. Um, so, uh, like, why I invited you on the podcast and what we have in common and so forth. So we have a lot of sim similar t content on this topic, and uh, uh, you were a sincere conservative evangelical pastor for what, like, twenty years or something? Yes, in, sir. In the Southern Baptist Convention, and um, uh, I was an evangelical missionary for for probably 12 years or so off and on in the field and off and uh, supporting missions. Um, we both deconstructed uh, conservative Christianity and we survived to write about it. Uh, mm -hmm. And we both have a heart, and I love this, these are your words. We have a heart to see people discover or rediscover a faith that doesn't require one to lose their mind, heart and self in the process. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's kind of start by learning your journey um, how in the world did you go from being a conservative evangelical pastor to writing books calling out the evils of modern conservative Christianity? Wow, <clears throat> that's a, a pretty big question, but to answer it, <laughs> in, in, we got we got time, but you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I get you. Um, so yeah, I actually started off as an ELCA guy, Lutheran um, pastor, and the reason why I started off 
in the Lutheran denomination was just kind of default. I had grown up in that primarily, you know, with my family and uh, was raised in that primarily. And then when I went to seminary, excuse me, when I went to college, I kind of knew that I began to feel a call to be a pastor. And so I, you know, got into a four-year degree in piano performance. And then after that, in the Lutheran circles, you have to go to seminary for four years. And um, so I did that and, uh, you know, was ordained in the Lutheran church. And then, um, you know, about maybe, gosh, five years into it, four to five years into it, was right when the Purpose Driven Church uh, and the Purpose Driven Life books were written. Oh, written. Rick Rick Warren, yes. Yeah, yes. and then you had Bill Hybels come on the scene and Ed Young, and so this whole mega church thing started to happen in my young ego, you know, really, uh, that was just a needle in the vein, and I said, wow, you know, um, I want to be like those guys. I want to be the <laughs> next, you know, superstar pastor and <clears throat> celebrity guy who's you know got stories of you know growing a church overnight and having you know hundreds of baptisms one oh day yeah surprise and yep. so that elixir boy that just really and so honestly i made an emotional decision based on just selfishness and i said hey you know i want this to be me so i just kind of surveyed christian world and realized it's not Lutheran churches that are getting in that game. And uh, so then I kind of studied that out a little bit and, you know, and I saw that, you know, conservative evangelicalism, you know, that side of the coin was where all this was happening, you know, that's right. Yeah. Southern Baptist. And I started to explore their beliefs and I thought, well, gosh, you know, uh, they believe that you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus and repent of your sins and, Lutheranism doesn't teach that really. And, you know, and then they believe that the Bible is the perfect word of God. And, you know, you need to be baptized in terms of an outward sign of an inward commitment. Oh my God, I still know that. And uh, <laughs> that lingo is still there. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so then I just said, hey, I got to get in this thing. And so, you know, my beliefs changed. And, you know, at the time, ironically, that Lutheranism was going in the direction of ordaining women, and, you know, uh, you know, affirmation towards it of, you know, um, homosexuality and things like that. I said, oh, boy, that's not going to be for me. And so I made a lot of excuses, um, to be honest with you, to kind of fit um, a change into evangelical world, because ultimately, I just really wanted to be um, one of those guys, you know, had oh, to, that's get a seat at the cool table pastor. right so that's so that's really kind of i mean if i'm honest about it you know, yeah that's, that's amazing i mean yeah I, yeah so then I, I i i played in that world for a, a long time i started a, a pretty revolutionary church at the time called quest 419 that got a lot of attention in the evangelical circles and then i pastored another non-denominational church and then a southern baptist church but um but really what happened for me in short is I just, none of that stuff worked. I mean, all the promises and all the things that, you know, um, evangelicalism teaches you that, you know, if you just pray hard enough and read your Bible and bury your head in the word of God and, you know, and go to church and, you know, uh, you know, do these prayer formulas, everything's going to turn out. You're going to, you have this prosperous, you know, Jesus filled life. And it just, it, you know, it, it didn't turn out that way at all. And, uh, 
so finally that came to a climax for me. I had a, you know, a health issue or two that came about and ministry stuff wasn't working out the way I wanted it to. And um, just a, a, a perfect storm of some things coming together. And I just was like, uh, this is crap. And, um, you know, I just took an honest look in the mirror. I was, I'd become far less like Jesus. I was not a great father, you know, not a great husband and judgmental and, um, hmm. you know, sexist and racist and homophobic. And, you know, just, you can just, you know, check them off the list in terms of who I'd become. And right. I was like, wow, this is just, this is literally killing me. And I came to a moment, I took my wife upstairs. We had been living in a townhouse, a two-story. And I took her upstairs. I said, you know, Amy, I said, you need to find another husband. Uh, you need to find another father for the kids. Because I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrible. I just, I'm just a waste. And um, everything I touch dies. And, um, and I was really the closest I've ever come in my life to ending everything. I mean, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and that was kind of the apex of everything for me. And um, so obviously I'm still here, but there was a big change and a big change that started in terms of um, me completely reevaluating um, everything I believed, everything I saw about God, myself, and life and other people. And that, that didn't happen overnight, but it certainly happened over a process of years. And, um, and here we are talking today. Right. Yeah. So it's amazing. I really do appreciate your honesty. Did you, were you able to figure things out with your wife and then did she? Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. It, it never was. I mean, it was just more of a, you know, uh, it was never about our relationship it was more just about right. me feeling like a complete failure in every area of my life. Right. Just right. Like, I just, I just don't want to put anybody else through this. I mean, I, you know, I had you know dotted every I and crossed every T of the evangelical system of faith. And this just all, I mean, and, and, you know, it, it literally doesn't work. It makes things worse, yeah. not better. Yep. You know, it just, I mean, the person you become, if you're honest about it, is just a monster. <laughs> and um, oh, and I just, I just, you know, thank God I woke up to that, you know, in time. Um, yeah, right. I, well, I'm, I'm glad our, you did. Our, yeah, our and, marriage is never, I mean, we've never had any kind of, uh, no, I can't, you know, I mean, there were, uh, you know, there was one time, <laughs> a little sub story, but you know, as a pastor, man, you just, you get so intoxicated to people needing you and, you know, you know, and just this, I uh, get you know, sense of power and, you know, uh, boy, just all those um, um, identity tubes get stuck and, and connected to ministry. And I remember one time, you know, this was back in the day that they had pagers, right? And so I, you know, I was super pastor Chris who walked around with a pager all the time because I was going to be accessible every hour of the day and my wife and I, I can't remember what it was for maybe your birthday or anniversary but we we were we went out to the beach you know clearwater beach and pager went off and i said honey i gotta i gotta take this and and uh it was you know at that moment you know my wife was like listen chris you're gonna have to choose either it's gonna be the pager or it's gonna be me mm -hmm. right we're not, 
and that was probably the closest we've ever come to having just like a real right you know, but um but no in terms of de- you know what people would call deconstruction or whatever that she you know uh, we've always taken that journey together oh that's good yeah yeah i i have uh similar i i relate to everything you've said but unfortunately uh, uh my wife and i haven't taken the journey together we're much more closer than now yeah. Than we yep. used to be, but there was a time when when I was yep. the only one taking the journey, and that's really yep. different. It's um, it's very very. I've, I've talked with a lot of pastors uh, who have you know and 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 people who have just had you know uh, a real that's that's a real challenging. Yeah, it is. It's hard. It's hard enough to walk it out yourself, right? Let alone <laughs> then do it as you know in a relationship. Right. The thing that really struck me with your story was, I mean, I, I was involved with this, you know, the church planning movement and I was in Southern California and the Fuller Seminary had this, I don't know, church planting uh, yeah. uh, program that a lot of people, including my pastor, Cheon, I don't know if you ever heard of him, uh, went to and, and you know, uh, what's his name? C.P. Wagner or someone. So right. that, it was that whole church growth movement. And uh it, it it's intoxicating you just you know yeah. I, that i can relate to that i mean you if you start to have you know it, it takes a lot of, sometimes people with a big ego is like oh i want to do that you know and yeah and, and you get high on it and that's well, I the mean, way you look at it, i mean and i mean i'm not gonna you know judge you know every pastor that ever church plants but by god i mean you know <laughs> I mean, it's so damn competitive. And um, I'll tell you a little funny story. Um, and you can cut me off if I tell too many of these things. This was when I was. <laughs> All I, right, we'll, we'll, was, we'll do a few rabbit trails and then we'll yeah, move on. Is, okay. Yeah, this is just a few. But so you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, and maybe your audience will too. So I was planting this church, Quest 419. Uh, I had a, there was a, a mega church in town in Tampa that had basically sponsored us i got to be good friends with the senior pastor and he said hey let's anyway so i'm doing this thing and this was like this was back when just like i think hillsong was just starting okay yeah and, um, and, and i actually had gotten an email from brian houston who somehow uh had seen um our website which was totally like modern in a way that no one else was doing mm-hmm. and, he, and he said something like it just you know totally changed his view about how church could be done. But anyway, so we were very ultra contemporary. I mean, we worship, we renovated an old discount auto parts store and it was like a club. We had a bar, but it didn't have alcohol and we had sofas for seating. And, you know, so it was very much ahead of what was happening at the time. And so we, we worshiped on Friday nights uh, originally because we, we, before we renovated a building, we couldn't find a place to, to you know, do service on a Sunday, right? Right. So anyway, I'm at, I'm at this, I'm at this Southern Baptist Coalition of Pastors, right, meeting, and we're all sitting around um, this circle, and everyone's telling them about their ministry and what they're doing and how the Lord's providing, yeah, you know, yeah. all this stuff, right? Yeah. And so finally, I think I may have been like the last guy. And so the head guy is just, he's standing in the circle, you know, you know, surrounded by all these chairs. He's facilitating this thing. And he finally gets to me and says, well, what's your name? 
said, I'm Chris Kratzer and I'm pastoring, you know, this church plant, Quest 419. Oh, he says, well, well, how's your Sunday services going? And I said, well, um, we, we, we don't meet on Sundays. I said, we, we meet on Friday nights. He said, oh, boy, that's, that's interesting. And he kind of thought to himself for a second and paused. He says, well, wait a minute. If you're meeting on, front, on, on Friday nights, well, then what do you do on Sunday? And just a, just a very uh, rebellious spark of humor got into me. And oh. I responded, I responded, well, I, I make love to my wife. <laughs> <It's> like, <Okay. laughs> and the whole place, man, you can just see the evangelical, you know. Instead of laughing, they, they, yeah, they were probably uh, all embarrassed or, you know, <laughs> awkward faces. Yeah. And, and evidently, so there's this guy who was past, uh, Brad White, who was very connected with Ed Young. And Brad later on, he was in that meeting and Brad told me that he told that story to Ed Young one time and he just completely fell out of his chair. <laughs> but oh, that's I swear to God, it's, it's right. When you look back and you know this, when you start looking at stuff, you know, now that you're out of it, you look back and go, oh my God. A, what was I into? And B, what kind of person had I become? No, I hear you. I mean, um, I, I was very sincere when I was in the, you know, the, the, the height of it. And, uh, I, you know, I ended up going, believing almost everything I heard. Oh, we're supposed to go to the mission field and save the lost. And so I, my wife and I, well, before we even got married, we both went to Africa as singles. And then we got together and married. And then we went together for five years together. And we were reaching the unreached peoples, working with yeah. Muslims and doing yeah. all this stuff. But you know what? <laughs> we were <laughs> we were like the, the sheep led to slaughter. I mean, it's like, you know, missions was great, but it wasn't as as uh, as cool and uh, beneficial. And it had the advantages of, of, of being a pastor of a church. So we yeah. we we went through a lot of struggles just to, yeah. to go on the mission field. It was not yeah. like. Uh, this wonderful thing to do, but, no. um, but, um, but I, you know, the same kinds of things, the doubts that come in and then you start to rethink things. And I had a lot of red flags like that, but, um, yeah. uh, you know, when you, when you, and you're writing today and, and your content that you've put out there, what, what's your goal in critiquing conservative Christianity? I mean, I don't think you want to tear faith down altogether. What, what, what's your goal? So, you know, and people, you know, one of the criticisms I get from my writing is say, well, you're never going to reach those evangelical people. And I just always reply that that's not the purpose of my writing. Um, I think sometimes people assume that I'm trying to convert conservative evangelicalism. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, that happens. I mean, there are people that read my stuff and then, you know, you know, do a 180, but that's not the goal. I mean, I'm writing, first of all, to be a voice for those who have been spiritually oppressed that right. you know, either they don't have a voice or they're afraid or they don't know the words, they don't know how to put it. And they, and so I'm, I'm, my goal is to let them know that they've been heard, that they're loved and they, they have someone who will stand in solidarity with them and speak in ways that, you know, um, resonate and, and really uh, connect with their journey in a way that's freeing to them. And so, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, when people try to tone police my writing, I'm just saying, well, listen, if you don't, 
you know, if you don't like my writing, then you're not going to like what all these other people have to say. They're just not saying it to you um, because right. I'm, I'm speaking in there. I'm giving them permission to say what they really want to say in the words and in the angst and in the heartbreak that they want to say it and feel it. And uh, so that's goal number one is that, I mean, I, you know, if I reach an evangelical, great, but that is not in my mind why I'm writing. The second reason I write is to chase the evils of conservative evangelicalism out of the shadows. I mean, I, you know, this stuff, you know, I, I feel such regret for the time I wasted and the person I'd become and the hurt that I caused and the misrepresentation of God that I, uh, you know, personified and preached. And, and then the damage, I just, I feel so responsible for that, that my, I want to expose it for what it is so that people can see it. And then, you know, hopefully either never, if they're in it now, they can, you know, see what's going on and, and, you know, potentially walk away or also that they, you know, people who, you know, you know, that they would never get involved in it at all. Right. Um, and that's really my heart. That's my passion. That's why I write, you know, I, I try to write so, you know, I don't know, passionately, strongly, and, and really, I, I, I don't, I don't sugarcoat it because there's no time for that. You know, there just isn't time to say, well, it's just a little bit of this and a little, you know, maybe this, and, you know, I have to go into exactly uh, the belly of the beast and expose it for what it is because, you know, it's, it's killing individuals and communities and I fear our, our even our nation at large um, with this, you know, Borg, this death star of evangelical faith. I mean, it's just the damage that it's done to me. I just can't stop exposing that for the benefit of other people. So, right. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you know, uh, when I started deconstructing, I, I kind of thought I was the only one or very, one of very few. And then you realize, you know, I was in this denomination called sovereign grace ministries, SGN. Oh, and that Calvinistic uh, it, thing. Oh yeah, my right. word. Yeah. It was before it was became SGM. It was called people of destiny. And, but anyways, <laughs> there's this uh, website called SGM Survivors. <laughs> it's like, wow. and I and I go in there and I read the stories and I go, oh my gosh, what these what these people went through. And I think and I, and I say, well, heck, it was like that when I was in it too. But we just didn't have a website and a place to go. <laughs> well, it's you, you know, know <laughs> this might be a great title for another book, but death by conservative evangelicalism. But then you take Calvinism and you put it on top of that. It's like double death. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, had yeah. To, I had yeah. to wrestle with that. Yeah, we um, had. Yep. And, and oh, my God, that thing will screw with your mind. Right. And, you know, when I was in it, it wasn't heavily Calvinistic, but it was certainly OK with Calvinism. There was nothing they weren't teaching against it or anything. Yeah. But, uh, then it got really Calvinistic after that. Yeah. And yep. then uh, it, was, it was also charismatic, too. So you got the charismatic and they got the Calvinist and, and, yep. and then the church authority thing that was really strong. And that's yep. what was abusive to people. Yep. And, and, and then there's all kinds of them. Mars Hill here in Seattle. I don't know if you, yep. I'm sure you've heard of sure. that. They, they sure. have a lot of uh, survivor websites. And, yep. and uh, I tried to, you know, influence some people who were going to that church. I live in here in Seattle. But, yeah. 
it's just it's just crazy uh, you, and then, and that's really what you need to do is you need to read the stories because uh, that's when you really understand okay now i see how it's dangerous or how it's you know really harmful yeah. Yeah. because if, unless you, until you do that you just don't understand some for some yeah. people because you know after all you know there are some things that draw people in an evangelical church that aren't necessarily bad that's what that, that you know that's how they they grow you know they get people in there and they feel like they're in community and everything seems to be joyful and they've got they got life figured out they got god figured it out and, and everything and then all of a sudden something happens to they realize wait a minute there's something wrong here and sometimes it takes years to come out of it so anyways um uh, let's kind of move into your stupid shit book. I mean, what an incredible title, <laughs> stupid shit heard in church and the truth that will wipe you clean. Um, so, so true. And I think you had something in there about 80 messages too honest for Sunday. So what you you know, you imagine, uh, folks, uh, you know, walking into a church and someone saying these, um, these lines, something that you would never expect to hear in church, but they're actually, something that's critiquing the stupid shit that most evangelical churches and you know maybe not all of them are so as conservative as this but the majority right. are yeah. and so anyways let's just take take a look at some of those uh <laughs> messages which is i think is in each chapter so uh yeah like one of them is uh i think conservative christianity uh, is destroying america what, what's going on with that well, I mean, you know, it's um, it's a faith system that, in my experience and in my analysis, is just it's it's evil and it's destructive. And when you when you start to play that out, when you start to play out the tenets of you know conservative evangelicalism, it just things get worse. I mean, you know, if you wanted to, you know, even talk through it in a biblical sense, like you know, um, you know, Paul, I think, gets this part right when he says the law entices us to sin, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, all the, all the performance driven sin management teaching, you know, let's just take that one little aspect of it. You apply that to your life and you're, you're just never, you can't, un, you can't outrun this stuff. You know, you can't outpray it. You can't outlive it. You can't, and, and to try harder to do that actually makes it worse you don't you don't become a better person you become a, a worse person you just you know you, know, you just become better at faking it and and so when you think about okay the the moral you know the moral level of our country you know you can attribute a lot of the immorality that we experience you know because you know if conservative evangelicalism really worked right then we would be a far more moral country and it, you know, yeah, we would, right, we would, right. and, and, but it doesn't work. It makes, it makes it worse. And so, you know, I have an article somewhere on my site that talks about, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of the moral decline that you see in our country is based on, you know, the system, the teachings um, of the conservative evangelical faith. I mean, you, and, and what, you know, I try to do is, is help people connect those dots to see that there, there's a bigger thing happening here. I mean, when you, when you take, you know, when you take the, the faith system of, you know, those who were a part of the, uh, the manifest destiny, 
you know, oh, and, yeah. slavery, and slavery and the birth of our country, when you start to really, you know, go and understand the true history of it, which is why that those people want to bury that history because they, I think deep down, they kind of want to repeat it. So, um, you know, you really start to see, oh my God, this faith system has been on every page of the worst atrocities that have pretty much happened in the history and just, just the history of our country and our current, you know, situation. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, so when you start connect the dots, you go, Oh my God, this thing is, this thing is a driving force in it. And now you can see it more plainly in the last four years, it's last six, however long, you know, with Trump and everything, you see it now coming out in the open. It's been given, it's been fanned into flame and given permission, but it's been there all along. Oh, it's true. It, it, it has been there all along. And that's the thing that that struck me when, you know, the Trump era started was, you know, here they were going, okay, here's our man. And they, they knew he wasn't perfect, that he knew, they knew he was really unchristlike, but you know, then they said, uh, well, you know, he's like the Cyrus of the Old Testament, you know, and God's using him and, and they're going to get their political agenda done. And they're going to get their religious freedom agenda done with Trump. And, 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 and it's like, what the heck, the ends do not justify the means here. I mean, <laughs> well, and it's, it's, you know, conservative evangelicalism is really never even given a crap about Jesus. I mean, well, you know, in, I, in the sense of, uh, I mean, because, I mean, if conservative evangelicalism really followed Jesus, it wouldn't be conservative evangelicalism. Well, I agree with you. And, and, and that's the, that's the rub. It's like, um, it, the words are right. The words they say are right. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, they say they, they're following Jesus and you're going to be a disciple and all this stuff. And it's that what happens is you've got this, this content that they're preaching that they put a veneer on it. Yeah. This is Jesus's teachings, but then you realize later on it's really unexamined. And if you go under the hood and examine it, wait a minute, you're really not following Jesus over here, X, Y, and Z. Uh, (laughs) Not even close. If you were, you would be pro-immigration and pro-helping the foreigners that are coming to our border (laughs) under destitute conditions. And you wouldn't care so much about obeying the strict laws of our country. You'd say, well, let's change our laws. Let's do something to help these people, right? That's just one of many examples. But yeah, yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. you know, uh, that performance oriented Christianity, that sin management. Yeah. That's so destructive. It's just like you're saying it's a, uh, it's a, it's like a, um, a legalism and a transactional, uh, way of looking at faith. You know, it's like, God really is not going to bless you and revive everything and everyone and, and really work and, unless you perform, pray more, uh, read the Bible more, you know, evangelize more, do all this stuff, you know, manage your sin and become more holy, whatever it is. And you just, I think you explained it really well. Once you get into that trap, then you're just like, well, you get worse because no one can, can do that. No one can really keep that up for very long before you kind of makes you a basket. Well, case. Then you trans- but so you translate that into the mindset of Republicanism, which says that if you're poor, you just need to perform better. Yeah, 
Right. You just need yeah. to be. It, it, I remember one one Republican person was quote saying, "Listen, people are poor because they just don't pray." Oh gosh, I mean and that's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So 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 that's my point is that so when you connect that same system and teaching and then you apply it to other sectors of life, it's just evil. I mean, it just it nothing good comes out of that. That there's no good fruit that comes off of that. Right. And right. it's death. It's just death you know, everywhere, just that it touches. Um, and that's what I kind of meant by that chapter. Yeah, right. That's good. So, okay, let's look at another one. Um, and I really resonate with this. This is a, this was a long deconstruction process for me to, to unravel this, but you make this statement, Jesus didn't have to die to, excuse me, Jesus didn't have to die for God to forgive us. What's behind that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, some of it is just just almost common sense i mean it's almost like let's just step away and think about this for a moment you know what kind of god right okay so the god who one writer in scripture said is pure love god is love right so then he creates this world right where the only mechanism his default right first of all the default heart of God is to condemn, right? Is to put people into hell. So that's the default ideas. But unless, but we can get around that, God can, you know, calm himself down a little bit and sober up <laughs> if his, if, sober. if he, if he um, goes ahead and has his son crucified, he can't forgive unless this happens i mean that is just i mean think about that for a minute that that's just the most free, i mean the all powerful god you know creates this mechanism where he's no longer you know all powerful that he can't yeah, forgive right. he can't forgive there's some kind he's of codependent. A this is a this is a codependent god right. who's actually codependent on human response to dictate his decisions or her decisions. I mean, I even want to speak about God pronoun wise, but um, so that's just a ridiculous. And, and, and you could just tell that is, that is so, I mean, that is so coded with evangelical sauce. It, I mean, it's just human. I mean, that's human thinking. I mean, that's so patriarchal human, you know, eye for an eye, you know, you know, you know, just this, like you say, transactional, you know, I do this if you do that kind of Right, thing. right. You can't be you saved. Go, you can't you, be you rescued. Mean, you can't, you can't live, you can't be saved unless an innocent victim named Jesus is crucified, is tortured and, and, and murdered. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> it doesn't, if you really, and then you think, okay, well, wait a minute. All right. So I'm supposed to love my enemies, right? Mm -hmm. okay that's the teaching so that's that's the that's the you know one of the highest you know, love your neighbors yourself love your enemies you know pray for those who you know curse you so but then that works for me right but that apparently doesn't work for god right exactly so <laughs> you hit the so, nail on the head so am i so so maybe i should take the seat of god because apparently i'm doing things in a more divine way than God is. I mean, you really start to play it out and say, well, okay, 
So God's our father, right? We're supposed to pray our father, right? So his best idea for parenting philosophy, right, is for me to uh, overcome a teenager, mind you, and debatably whether or not she really gave him consent or not. That's a debatable thing among scholars, right? But either way, gave birth through a teenager to a son and said, you know what, man, here's the best plan I can come up with for the fate of all the world and humanity is I'm going to have my own son murdered. Yeah, right. Now, now imagine if I, as a parent, applied that. Yeah. It, it, well, when you, I mean, and then people will say, well, you just have to have faith. You just have to trust God. His ways are not our ways. Well, I yeah, mean, well, then, he, you can, then you could believe anything. And you can. You can justify slavery, tick. You can justify, you know, the genocide of a whole group of people, check. I mean, you just go through the line, check, 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 you know, abolish, you know, the LGBT community, you know, force women to have their pregnancies, you know, no matter how that happens, and no matter the possibility of causing death and not welcome immigrants and nationalize your faith, just check, check, check. You can just justify anything at that point. That's right. And so, you know, what this is, is um, uh, I, I call it um, just practicing uh, violent sacrificial religion. And yeah. it's, um, you know, the violence is, is all through the, uh, uh, well, not all, all of it, but a lot of the Old Testament. Absolutely. And so this is, somehow they've latched onto this, well, you know, you know, they had to kill animals to get yeah. forgiven. So it's okay yeah. to kill the son of God to be forgiven. And they don't realize that actually, number one, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> when just for the reasons you just stated, you know, you've got a uh, abusive parent, I'm going <laughs> to torture and murder my son. So that, <laughs> so and, 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 uh, you know, supposedly, we deserve to be tortured and murdered. And that's why Jesus took our place. We're such terrible people. And then, you know, the other thing is, well, heck, actually, the early church didn't believe that. Where'd we, where'd we get this idea? Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> the real. history of the church uh, yeah. doesn't show that at all. That's one of the things I discovered. I yeah, yeah, it's for real. Incredible. So um, uh, you have another one. Um, you made the statement, and you just imagine, folks, you know, you go to church one day and the pastor stands up there and says, okay, I'm ready to give you a sermon. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is the problem in our life isn't sin. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, in the context of, um, you know, sin management. And I mean, if you're talking about, I mean, and that's the thing you gotta, you know, if you're talking in the language of evangelical Christian world, there's a couple layers to that. One is sin being separating you from God. Certainly right. in my own experience, in my own journey in faith, that I don't believe in. I don't believe sin is an issue with God in terms of our relationship with God. You know, sin being, you know, uh, you know, behavior and things that harm people and harm creation and harm ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that is a problem, um, you know, but the, 
essence of that problem being something that's going to eternally or even momentarily um, budge God's heart for me and cause a distance or a disconnect is something that that's to me not a problem. Um, you know the <laughs> those are not issues i mean and, and and what happens is people just live with that i mean they live you know eyes wide open wondering if you know this is going to be the day that god says you know what damn kratzer i've put up with a lot of crap from you and i think it's <laughs> i i just i'm that's I'm it kind of had it you know like i like i like i have a history of doing by the way with the whole uh thing in a flood and so forth so watch yourself Kratzer, because if you want to get wet again we we can do the whole flood thing yeah and, right uh, or ananias and zephariah i'll just strike you down yeah right you know, and so you, you have this this fear driven mindset of god and just your own life and that's the problem and you know the problem you also you know you know the actual word in greek for evil is underneath the word, and I can't, dang, I, it's not coming to my mind what the Greek word is, but um, but the essence of the word underneath the idea of evil is doing something spiritual in order to earn from God something that you already have. And wow, that's that's the tra that's the transactional God, that, you know, listen, and that's do the something. To get problem, something exactly your problem isn't the sin it's what you're doing in response to that if yeah. you're trying and, and you know do and and that's i mean you talk about conservative evangelicalism and all kinds of other forms of christianity that's exactly what's happening. we're doing something spiritual every single sunday in our small groups and our prayer groups and our bible studies in order to get something mm -hmm. right a closeness a sense of security favor with god blessings from god you know a sense of peace and safety with god not, not falling away from our salvation exactly all that kind of stuff we're doing that and we're doing those things to try to get from god something that we already have and that is evil and i would say that is the ultimate fuel of evil is to try to live a life in that perform that that mindset and right. then make that make that happen in other people's lives and insist that that needs to happen right. or else. Yeah, I, that makes perfect sense. And in my observation, um, I think, yeah, the, the, the sin management stuff is just like uh, majoring on the minors. I mean, it's like, really? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you had a, a stray thought. Uh, you didn't read the Bible enough this month. Uh, you didn't you haven't prayed enough as a church or <laughs> as a community. <laughs> You know, I mean, I think God's got a lot more important things to think about, you know, like whether you're loving your neighbor truly, whether, you know, your actions are harming others. So, I mean, yeah, I think we need to kind of put sin in context and say, what really is sin and what's what matters most about it and what is really just religious codes of conduct, really, <laughs> that yeah. are more harmful. So um, another another one you had, which actually... Um, it's kind of uh in our in our in our county is kind of relevant because there's this guy who um uh his, his name is joe kennedy he's a coach at bremerton high school he was a coach 
I think I've heard the story. Yeah, yeah. He 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 had the practice of praying on the fifty yard line with his team after the games, and the the school district said, "Oh, you got you can't do that. You're you know we have separation of church and state, and and it looks like we're we're promoting a particular religion. Please stop doing that." He refused to stop. Yeah. And so you know he went. He took it. He took it to court, and he went all the way to the Supreme Court. And supposedly they're looking at it now, but. But I mean, this whole idea of, of of prayer and the right to pray and all this stuff, you know, you made this, you made the statement, look, stop praying. Why pray at all? I mean, let, let's kind of look at that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, exactly what you just said. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, here again, it's just thinking about this, I mean you know, what are we really saying about God when we talk about prayer in these ways? I mean, so, I mean, because the evangelical thing is not only the words you pray, it's how long you pray, yep. how frequently you pray, yep. when you're praying, is your heart right when you're praying, are other people praying for you? <laughs> I mean, there's so many, um, you know, little bullet points you're going to have to you know, master here. And it's, I mean, do we really think, and I know people do, but how can we think that the God of the universe gives a damn whether I'm praying around a flagpole or not? I mean, and, you know, is, is, is really Jesus only in schools if kids are praying and, you know, having a Bible, you know, this is just the most ridiculous thing in the, I mean, that you could think about God. It's so, it's so blasphemous to portray God as this conditional God who only shows up when certain requirements are met. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, and so then what do you say, like, like, what do you say to the, you know, the child with cancer who's got all kinds of people praying, but they die and then someone else lives. I mean, did, did, do we just say, Hey, you know, that the prayer didn't work. And for some reason, it must have been the kid's heart or the parents or something. This is the most ridiculous thing. And, 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 and to keep on with this mindset that prayer, you know, moves the heart of God and, you know, all this, you know, that God, you know, is just waiting for prayer in order to act in certain ways or at certain levels is the most ridiculous. I mean, that's just blasphemy. I just think God goes, oh, my God, you people are so stupid. And how do you, you minimize? Why do you minimize me into your own image? Yeah, you I mean, me. I mean, you think it, about it. Uh, you know, you got you got kids, right? How many kids do you have? I have four kids. Yeah. So when they were real little, or even now, well, or old they are, I don't think we're waiting around going. All right, I'm not going to do anything for my kids until like you know, worship me and pray and you know read their bibles or whatever it is oh i'm gonna i'm gonna love them and do stuff for them whether they ask or not you know it's It's, like it's it's i mean and this whole prayer thing i'm just gonna pray for you you know we're sending our thoughts and let's just shut it all up we know you're fake and phony as hell We, we the moment you start talking to me about prayer tells me in fact that you you know Prayer is a spiritual veil to an empty life for you. Right. I, I just, I just know it's bullshit. Yeah. And 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 yeah. and I know it because I've lived it. I've done it. I've yep. prayed as hard as anybody on planet Earth about things, and 
And, and I just, I'm just telling you, the way people respond with prayer and believe about prayer, it doesn't work. Now, can I have communion and union with God? And do I have that? And I can, I can have a sense of conversation with God and so forth. Yes. Okay. But it's not like um, I'm asking God for this and for that. And it's transactional. It's just communication. It doesn't have to be transactional. No, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, it, and you don't, you know, and, and, you know, treating God, you know, we only, you know, it just, it seems just, uh, it's, I'm having the loss of words. It's just ridiculous. And so I might, that message in that book is stop it. You're, you're making a fool out of God and yourself and you don't even know it. I mean, you're just revealing to everybody the, the talking points that you've swallowed and your lack of willingness to allow God to be God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to be bigger right. than you and far beyond your ability to. Right. So anyway, I probably. No, no. I mean, I no. it's it's true. I mean, that when you really like I said, you know, people do these are unexamined beliefs. They're just, you know, you read something in scripture and the sermon says something and the whole church has got that culture. And so you just follow along with it. And but yeah. you don't really examine it. I mean, yeah. I remember we had a, in the church we went to in California, um, People of Destiny, uh, 7 a.m. prayer meetings, Monday through Saturday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you felt like if you didn't go, you weren't quite as spiritual as the other people. And when that, you did I go, know. you exactly. felt a little better that day. Oh, I went and to the prayer meeting. And, you know, <laughs> and it's just crap. And it's, and it's not that, and, and that's where you have to separate the, you know, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, when I, when, when a person has a heart to communicate thanks to God and to, you know, for that, which they already know that they have, you know, mm -hmm. when it's, it was just, when it's just a recalibrate and say, Hey, you know what, you know, um, you know, God, you know, just, you know, I just am aware of all the, the beauty, you know, and whatever. Yeah, that's that's a that, that can be a beautiful thing but yeah, when it right. comes this comes a spiritual practice and this religious thing and this i'm yeah. getting something from god and you're it's not being, it's being grateful for life and the beauty of it and 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 nature and you know friendships and love and all that stuff and that's yeah that's good i mean but but it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. <laughs> it can be walking down the street and just. I mean, we're all, aren't aren't we always saying something to God in thought, word, indeed? I mean, aren't we always saying right, something? Right. Can so we the, not? the yeah. The ironic thing is that actually Jesus didn't teach us to pray in public. He said, right. "Go into your closet and pray." Yeah. Yeah. And the Lord's prayer was actually not meant to be a a rote prayer that you say all the time, or you build off of and make a huge long prayer. It was, it was like, okay, you want to pray, just pray this simple prayer. And when you pray, you know, don't do it in public, like, you know, to show off and look, show how I mean, religious you are and all this and stuff. Let me, I mean, if we even go a little deeper, I mean, do you really think Jesus said that prayer just like that, just as it's written and they memorized it on spot. No, wrote it down. No. Wrote it down exactly word for word. No. and then that has been translated yeah. over and over again. And the one that we have right now is exactly the way he said. I mean, we we couldn't even do that with cell phones right now. Right. No, it's it. You know, it, it was a, it was like a, a guiding I mean, they... guiding prayer that 
you, you know, it, I'm sure he didn't mean it legalistically. You got to pray it exactly like this. And, and also I had people make, have the teaching, well, that's just the start. And then they would go off and teach you how to pray off of each point and, and, and how, to, how do how do you pray for an hour? Well, here, we'll come up with something. <laughs> it's like, um, it's, it's crazy. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed is um, there's a lot of problems with the conservative Christianity. There's a lot of problems with Christianity, but there's a lot of good things. And, you know, like you said, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. But on the other hand, uh, to me, there's no like one answer, one denomination, one group that's doing it perfectly. And in that spirit, I think you had one of the chapters said, progressive Christianity has a problem. What is that? Well, I mean, you know, in some uh, expressions of progressivism, I mean, you might as well just take conservative evangelicalism and just wrap it in a different piece of paper. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, in, in when I came into the writing scene, uh, I, I wasn't even trying to write. I wasn't even trying to, you know, be anything. I, I, when I had um, become a, you know, a fully LGBTQ affirming person in my heart, and I was pastoring at the time in a formal church setting, you know, I, I just, I never wrote, um, intentionally i had a blog but i mean wrote like once every four or five six months and my pastor mentor for almost my whole career called me up and said hey chris i just read one of your things and i think you uh, this writing is for you this is this is what you need to do and he funnily he said yeah, you know you're not a bad preacher but no you you need to write yeah and i was right. a little, i was kind of a little bit offended by that but <laughs> um but anyway so so i set out i wrote the first article i wrote ever intentionally was an article called i think it was like what if you're wrong a question for every anti-gay pastor father friend uh, something like that and i put it out i put posted one thing on facebook and overnight that thing was just i mean it i mean i had 200 some emails the next day and thousands of hits on it, whatever. So that's began the whole thing into my entry world into writing and then also the progressive world. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, man, when I started to get a following, there were, and I'm not going to name names, but there was one particular writer who had also a following who literally tried to sabotage what I was doing. You're kidding. No, <laughs> no, no, be no, kidding no, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. I mean, it was like people would message me and say, what is this guy doing? And, and I, evidently, I became a threat to his, um, his platform. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, here we, we're, we're not any different. What the hell? Right, we, need, yeah. we, we need every voice we can possibly get. Why are you threatened by me? Right, right. And, and so you, there's a lot of the same things. The, the empire, the ministry empire building, the territorial stuff. The egos, I'm sure. The egos, the judgmentalism. I, you know, I remember one person when I was first starting out, and and you know when you're in, in the when you're trying to be helpful to the LGBT community, there's you know a bit of a distrust, and rightly so, at the beginning. You got to really, you know, show that you're trustable and you're and you have their best interest at heart. You're not just doing this, you know, to you know have a platform. 
And so, and so there's some distrust, you know, and I was like, well, that's totally cool. I don't mind that part. But there were other people who were not a part of the LGBTQ community. And one person, this was when Trump was coming along a little bit, first mm -hmm. started out a little bit long time ago. And they did like this little thing on Facebook where you could search and you could find out who your friends were with Trump. And I had Trump, I had, you know, I had liked Trump's page. You know, this was very, very early on before he even ran for president, but there were some stirrings and things like that. And um, this person did that and saw that I had liked Trump's page. Well, I like a lot of different pages so I can get the feeds on my timeline so I know what's going on. It's not that mm -hmm. I like them. I just get that information. Well, they had a had a mental breakdown at the thought that Chris Kratzer <laughs> could, could do that. Yeah. And so you have the same judgmentalism, the same legalism in some aspects. And that could be a real problem. I mean, I've had people come at me, you know, for, you know, just things that you go, you know what? Okay, we're, we're all supposed to be on the same team. Let's Let's have a little bit of... Um, giving the benefit of the doubt for each other, right? You know, instead of just, you know, you know, crucifying, and uh, so that's you know really the heart of that. I mean, progressive. I mean, no, it's know, true. I mean, you can have fundamentalism can rear its ugly head. Absolutely, sides, yeah. Right? And, and and you just go. And I've had this over and over again, where other people have tried to steal my stuff and mimic my writing. And, you know, and, you know, talk trash about me to other places. And, you know, and so, you know, a lot of the stuff you go, wow, I thought in progressive world, we would be maybe a little bit above some of this stuff. By now. Right. <laughs> right. No, that and I'm not perfect. True. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm saying that was, you know, the heart of that, that uh, particular uh, entry was to say, hey, you know what? And I even have an article somewhere that is the title is you know if this is what it means to be progressive i'm i'm walking away right right if, you know if i can't have you know like like some people you know want you to be so militaristic about certain beliefs in progressive world and if you veer you even you even you know uh, give the impression that you might be a little bit off of the mark from where they're at man they'll cut you and it's incredible. No, it's the same legalism. It's like you got to believe exactly the way we do, say the right words, say the right things, or else you're you're really not one of us, and and we're going to attack you. Yeah, it's, it is incredible. What I like to bring out is that, you know, when people deconstruct from conservative Christianity, it's mostly a long process, and they do it in stages, and you got to be patient with people. You know, people are just like, well, I'm only deconstructing the Bible right now, and I haven't even gotten to the gay debate or whatever it is, yeah. you know, and and this this notion of like, well, you know, you should be, you know, enlightened like I am right now right. <laughs> or else. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, destructive as well. And so you can see that on both sides of the debate. I mean, I've got a lot of family and friends who are still fundamentalist Christians. And I love them. I've kind of learned to overlook a lot of things that they believe and they say, but, you know, um, you, you got to just get people slack. Uh, well, and, you know, you've got leaders out there that it's just, you know, it's the same thing. It's just building their own little, you know, uh, platform. And, you know, uh, I mean, I've ran into this. I mean, that's, you know, part of it, why, why I just have had to realize I'm just going to have to take my own path because 
you're, you know, unless you, you know, in a sense, kiss a bunch of ass with some of these people, you're never going to be seated at their table. And if you're not exactly saying what they're saying, then, you know, or, I mean, it, it, there's just these little closed groups in the progressive world. Yeah. And you just go, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to have to take my own path here. I'm, you know, I want to be in fellowship. I want to be, you know, in community with some of these folks that have these different branches of progressive ministry. But it's like this, it's like each one's got their brand. And right. it's brand preservation. Yeah. It's brand. Yeah, that's promoting. true. Yeah. And you're just I, like, okay. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's definitely true. I think fortunately, I don't think it happens as much as on the conservative side, but it's still there and we have to be yeah. watch out for it. Yeah. Uh, one of yeah. the times I went to the wild goose festival, um, Brian McLaren, who I'm, I'm sure, you know, yeah. and, and Bart Campolo who deconstructed and became yeah, sure. uh, an atheist. They had a session together and it was like, that's what I want to see. I mean, these people were respecting each other and had totally different views on, the existence of God, but they were talking about deconstruction and they had so much common ground. It was like, they were, you know, one, you know, so right. um, anyways. Um, so uh, a lot of things that we are not going to be able to get to today, but one of the ones I wanted to ask was there was a chapter that said all roads lead to Jesus. Maybe you could just explain briefly what that means. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that um, that when we allow different ways of talking about the same thing, you know, and and I, you know, I understand that there are certain people that don't want to use the terminology of Jesus. They they don't they don't believe in Jesus in the way that maybe a Christian would believe in Jesus. And quite frankly, I don't believe in Jesus in the way that a lot of Christians people believe in Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I don't, you know, you know, I think that the goal of that is to say, okay, that whether it's Jesus or calling it the universe or, um, you know, spirit or whatever language a person is using, that all those roads connect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, it's not that one particular faith has it down you know in terms of the whole essence of god and the whole mm -hmm. plan of life in the world not at all and so um you know when you sense that you know all roads are connected and call it jesus call it love call it universe call it spirit you know even call it nothing at all um I just don't think there's a journey a person can take spiritually outside of what God can handle or what God is, or you can't, I don't think you can journey outside of God. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. The, um, uh, the path of, of what I've discovered is, um, you know, if you, if you kind of seek God or seek truth, uh, you can find, I can find the teachings of Christ in, I don't know, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, I can find it in, you know, and he was a Hindu. And, you know, he actually did read Christ, Jesus's teachings. He never became a Christian. But he, you know, as a Hindu, he was he was more Christ like than most of us. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, you know, and the other, so, the other, yeah, the other essence of that is that 
I, I don't think that there's a place, and this is this will probably frustrate a few people, but I don't think you know there's a place where Jesus is not. I think Jesus, mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesus yeah. is in atheism. Jesus is in Hinduism. Jesus is in yeah. universalism. He's in he's in everything. Well, it, may, it you, makes you sense. You may not call it that. You may not, um, you know, use that language. Uh, but you know, he is here, there, and everywhere. There's no place, you know, where Jesus is not, not, not even a thought, not even a, you know, any person say, well, then he's in evangelicalism. Well, in yeah, and uh, yeah, in the in a very existential way, absolutely. Oh yeah, I mean, I I I encountered there, but you may not recognize. <laughs> right, I encountered uh, the love of God when I was in evangelicalism. Sure, but it didn't. It it was it wasn't really lined up with what the church was teaching. It was kind of like on the side. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so like you say, Christ can show up anywhere because I mean, if there is a loving God, and He loves everyone equally, then why wouldn't He show up everywhere? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to even listen to you or look at you unless you accept my me as your Lord and Savior kind of a thing. It's just ridiculous. So we're kind of running out of time, but I just want to say this one quote that I really loved from your writing. Um, if you kind of summarize, you know, like, okay, what well, what should we then do, uh, you know, in, in a faith? And the quote is, instead, make the earth your sanctuary, humanity your congregation, love your worship, and grace and mercy your calling. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, what what? how did you get arrive at that idea? Well, I mean, if you want to, if you don't, well, no, if, if you want to boil it down to simple terms that I think, yeah, you know, that, that, that encompasses everything and, and you can't, I don't want to stay, this is the only words I have to say, and I'll probably think of better words after we're done, but this, this, I mean, that it breaks it down to where you can't miss. You know, you, if you if if Earth is your sanctuary, and then later on, you know, obviously the entire universe. But you know, if Earth is the sanctuary, right, and humanity is your community, mm -hmm. and you know, love is your worship, and mm -hmm. grace is your what did I say it was calling? So, yeah, what calling your gospel, whatever you want to call it. You, you there's you a you'll have no excuse, right? But then b you, you can't miss. I mean, you, you're you're gonna in, you you you're not gonna be able to exclude. You're not gonna be able to judge. You're not gonna be able to judge in the sense of condemning. You gotta have discernment, but um, you're not gonna be able to. You it 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 really makes it very hard, if not impossible, to be religious. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It can't be. You can't be exclusive. You can't be. You know, hyper, hyper, hyper religious <laughs> in the in the and, worst and part, I, I think, sense of I the think, word. Yeah, I think what here's what I'm really trying to say. With that, you'll never miss the heart of God. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. if you just break it down to those basics, you'll you'll never get caught up into something, and you'll never be able to miss really the essence, in my belief, in the essence of what. Yeah, Jesus it's and whatever it's is all focusing about. on what matters most, and you know, identifying yeah. what it is. And focusing on that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so, you know, we've had a great conversation, Chris. Um, 
Uh, I was drinking a beer during this time, so I've had a great time. I always tell people my with you. My theology I, always gets better with with more beer. Yeah, I know. I know you're a beer lover, but uh, hopefully one day we'll be able to share one together. Boy, that would person. be amazing. Yeah. Just, just hey, listen. I'm, I want to get out to Seattle, so. Oh know. well, let me know when you're coming out. Listen, I'll, I'll treat you to some microbreweries. We got some great <laughs> ones out here, and I know you've got good ones too in North Carolina. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So, anyways, where can people go to learn more about you and your book and your books? And uh, you know, do you have a website or something? Yeah. So, a couple of places. Obviously, you can go onto Amazon. That's where my my books are: Leatherbound Terrorism and Stupid Shit Heard in Church. Those are there. And then uh, the my blog writing is at uh, chriscratzer.com. Okay. And then social media wise, Facebook really is the primary place for that. Um, and you can find me there. Um, you know, it's just, just type my name and you'll type your name. It's K R A T Z E R. Correct. Yep. And, uh, Chris Kratzer.com or Facebook Chris Kratzer. All right. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us at the spiritual group hub. It's been a great conversation and, uh, it's, it's so delightful to, uh, talk with you after reading your, your, your books and, and uh you know hearing about your background so uh folks um go out and check out chris's uh blog and and books and all all his content and uh uh, we're gonna circle back next time uh and uh have another great uh episode here so thanks again chris thank you all right and uh folks remember to enjoy responsibly take care The Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down. Share your true thoughts about your journey and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment.